I've done my part of the bargain, which means you're on your own from here. But don't forget, you have to speak on my behalf now. That was the deal. Agreed. Thanks for getting me this far, at least. I have to admit, I never saw us doing anything together. Ever. These are strange times. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, while trying to prove her innocence, Ahsoka teams up with the deadly Assad Ventress to find the person responsible for framing her for murder. Anakin and Plo Koon are tasked with tracking Ahsoka down through the criminal depths of Coruscant and bring her back to the temple. Hey troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship, a Clone Wars veteran on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Ahsoka to my Ventress. It's Trusty Pearl Robbie. How's it going everyone? We are going to talk about the 107th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology written by Charles Murray, directed by Kyle Dunleavy. It's Season 5, Episode 19, the penultimate Season 5 episode, Robbie. It's getting exciting. It's building up and it's to catch a Jedi. So, Robbie, let's roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about to catch a Jedi before you rewatched it again this week. Well, the plot thickens, right? This whole arc is very vivid to me you know the clone wars veterans know what i'm talking about you can see the pieces falling into place and it's just it's just crazy i don't really want to say a whole lot about what this means yet you know we'll have to wait till we talk about 520 but i mean i remember almost everything about it i'll tell you one thing that sticks out is just that ventress you know that's the main thing that you remember about this episode is ahsoka teaming up with ventress it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, that'll be memorable. Yeah, it's crazy. I just kind of want to get into it. I, I'm actually really interested in what you think about all this. What you take away from this episode? Well, speaking of getting into it, the episode opens with that evil bleeping bleeper tuck and informing the <laughs> Jedi Council that he reckons that Ahsoka Jedi mind tricked and then murdered her way out of the prison or out of the military complex. What do we decide that was? It's like Tarkin's headquarters or something yeah Tarkin is blaming her for everything and the first to speak up in Ahsoka's defense is good old Master Plo so my fist pump count for the episode was already off the mark with only about a minute on the clock because anytime Master Plo's around and even double when he's got Ahsoka's back I'm all about it and then Master Yoda declares that the council believes that Ahsoka may be guilty of the crime which is one of the first little emotional punches of the episode master yoda doesn't seem like he has ahsoka's back he feels that maybe she is guilty of the crime or at least the council does but he also says that he wants to send two details to track her down one led by master plo the other led by anakin which is a suggestion that gets questioned by of course who's always doubting anakin who's always questioning whether anakin is going to be good at anything it's mace (laughs) who we all know as the jedi council's official chief of anakin doubting and then hilariously (laughs) Obi-Wan pretty much calls Mace a fool, right? He says, I think it would be foolish to take Anakin off the case. Just after Mace has said, we should take Anakin off the case. So, 
you know, I like that. <laughs> that was fun. And everyone, of course, points out that, of course, Anakin should be on the mission, Robbie, because obviously Anakin knows Ahsoka better than anyone else does. And Master Yoda basically overrules Mace in the end. There's no vote or anything like that. Master Yoda just decides that sending Anakin will be fine because Anakin has already alerted security on the lower levels to be on the lookout for Ahsoka. And apparently that's good enough for Master Yoda. And all the while outside those windows, Robbie, outside the windows of the Jedi Temple, a wild storm rages. And we're still only like three minutes into the episode. How did you like this opening scene? Well, I mean, it starts off with basically the Jedi being told that they're irrelevant by Tarkin. And that's one of those things that's just like, you know, we're moving closer and closer into episode three territory. And when you do that, you have to instill that doubt from not only the rest of the military, but like we saw in the previous episode, the protests going on about, you know, the Jedi and, and you know, maybe they, they're power hungry and all of these things that we know that they're really not. But then in some ways you can kind of see those little seeds, yep. you know, that have kind of grown into things that you're just kind of like, there's arrogance there. But at the same time, you know, you look at, you know, the, the fact that the council may think that she's guilty. I mean... There is a lot of evidence that shows that she could be guilty. Yeah. I mean, and, and so there's that fine line about you trying to see things from others' points of view here. And I love that Anakin has to sit there and just pretty much stay as stoic as possible. Yeah. It's almost like you can feel the rage and the frustration coming off of him, but he's just having to keep it cool. Well, speaking of cool, Robbie... After that, we descend into the lower depths. That's what Mace calls it. So this is what I'm going to call it. The lower depths into a place where I must have taken at least six dozen screen caps. It just is an amazing looking atmospheric environment. And we're reminded that Coruscant, the city planet, is not just covered with buildings that we usually see on the surface. It also has levels upon levels of city reaching down and down. And I never considered this before, but it's almost as if this multi-level city was built up and up and up, adding a new level to each of the lower levels over time. Almost as if this massive planet-sized city is like a multi-story building, but instead of building floors upon floors, they built cities upon cities. So just a really sweet sci-fi concept there in this space opera show. And somewhere down there, of course, is Ahsoka, who first contacts her old buddy old pal Barris who is soon on the case and then Ahsoka decides it's time for a new wardrobe so she makes a trade for a cloak from a Gotel which I found out afterwards that's Dave Filoni doing his best Gotel voice and the cloak includes the handy feature that the holes in the hood for the Gotel's horns are a perfect fit for Ahsoka's own Montrell's Robbie and I have to confess that for as long as I've been an Ahsoka fan now it's only because of this episode and because of this Gotel's cloak that Ahsoka dons that I finally had to look up what the Gruton's head appendages are called, Robbie. Apparently they're called Montrells. Well, there you go. Yeah, see, I didn't know that either. But yeah, it is It is kind of funny because it almost reminds me of... Uh, <laughs> I know this is probably... This is not what they intended. But it reminds me of all these Instagram photos with the... Uh, the young kids nowadays, you know, with their with their cat ears. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> like she had little ears, cat ears. Yeah, but it was still, you know, it was still kind of fun. But how do you like the lower depths, Robbie? This whole environment. Uh, I mean, we often talk about comparing this to Blade Runner or other futuristic kind of, you know, Futurama or the Back to the Future, future films. 
I mean, this whole environment is just super sweet, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, one of the one of the main things that I really took a note on, actually, because it was just so cool to see, is the stalactite type buildings too. Yeah, you know, the ones that are kind of hanging down from the level right. above, similar to Mandalore, similar to Sundarian Mandalore. How right. the buildings sometimes seem to be built downwards as well from the, I guess, from the dome. Yeah, and it's just. You know, there's a lot of people that kind of go on and on about world building, you know, especially with the sequel trilogy and, and versus the prequel trilogy and then the original trilogy, all these things. You got to give it to Lucas's brain here. And this is some amazing stuff that we have never seen before, at least not like this. It's jaw-droppingly cool, you know, and it enriches everything about it. You know, it's just awesome. It sure is, Robbie. And unfortunately, down in the lower depths, you can run, but you can't hide because these cops in the lower depths have some kind of goggles, I guess, for low light enhancement. I don't know. It's not exactly clear what they're for, but they do do a good job of making these cops appear creepy and ominous. And we're rooting for these cops to fail in their mission to capture our favorite Padawan, of course. And man, these guys are everywhere. Like about two and a half seconds after Ahsoka has evaded capture by a whole squad of them on a train, She's spotted again before she can even make it up the platform, so it just feels like there's nowhere for her to run, there's nowhere for her to hide down there. It's a super stressful episode, at least in those early parts, but fortunately Ahsoka escapes into a lift, where she and a young Twi'lek lad team up to escape the malfunctioning lift, and there's that neat little comedic moment in there where she's desperately trying to cut her way out, and the young fella's just saying, oh look, there's buttons over here. Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't realize until he just goes and jams the button, and she slams onto the floor of the lift, and then she cuts her way out, and the sound design when Ahsoka cuts away out of that lift is absolutely top-notch. I thought I made a note here because it has these cracking sounds mixed in with the usual lightsaber cutting sounds because Ahsoka is cutting glass here or some sort of, you know, clear plastic, whatever it is. It's being superheated and undergoing kind of a localized rapid expansion that's making it crack. Did I sound super smart when I said localized rapid expansion, Robbie? I was trying to sound really smart when I said that. That's... Not a term that I would have just pulled out of my hat. I'll tell you that. How did, how did you like, did you get a kick out of this scene, Robbie? This lift scene and the chase and the train and trying to she's on the run and it's not easy. Yeah, and I love it's so weird because there's I get glimpses of sort of like other movies. I mean nothing specific, but it's almost like I mean we've seen subway slash train fights and chases before. Sure. But not in Star Wars. And it's just fun to see this stuff. I mean, it's. I just like how they continue to come up with new ways to, I guess, tell a story, you know? The elevator lift thing was pretty funny. I did like that. And yeah, that sound, uh, like you said, I uh, whatever you said, that sounded, you know, really smart. I like that. But yeah, I really enjoyed that whole thing. And then, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's moving at a breakneck speed. And it's, it really is just, it's just a joy to watch. And it's like, there were times. Look, I gotta be honest, there are times when I watch this show when I'm like, I want to put away my notepad and just sit and just enjoy all of this. Because <laughs> it's just, it's so much yep. fun to see. Yep, it's part of the deal, Robbie. It's part of the mission, unfortunately, yeah. that we uh, have to take these notes because... Neither of us have that great a memory, unfortunately, is what it comes down to. I'm sure yep. a lot of the troops out there could just watch the episode and then even do a better job than we can of yapping about it. But neither of us have such a good memory that we can watch without taking a note here or there. So, so that's part of the deal for us. And, and I think the only other train fight was in Bounty, right? When Ventress and Boba mm -hmm. Fett and the gang had that mission on the train. But yeah, you're right. Seeing a chase on a train, it's something we've seen in a lot of other things, but we haven't seen it in anything where a character can use the force. So it's fun to uh, 
see Ahsoka mixing it up on a train in this episode. And then, of course, after she escapes the lift, she continues to wander the streets. And that's when we see the back of the helmeted head of Asajj Ventress slide into the frame. And even before Ventress reveals her face, we can tell it's Ventress because they do such a dang great job of making the character model so distinctive on this show that even without seeing the character's face or hearing a voice, we can identify them. And also, considering what Letta had said about how a supposed Jedi had recruited her, and with what we saw of the lightsaber murders of those clone guards as Ahsoka had made her escape in the previous episode, and factoring in, I guess, my own wishful thinking as a Ventress fan that she's going to turn up in any episode, I had already been thinking in the previous episode about Asajj Ventress as my prime suspect. I've been thinking it's either Ventress or Maul, because we remember that one of the last things that happened with Maul was that Palpatine had a special job for him, or had some use for him, and so, you know, I guess... As my brain's been firing off wondering what's going on, I've been thinking, is this part of a plan from Palpatine to try and separate Ahsoka from Anakin to make Anakin more vulnerable? You know, something like that. And so I was thinking it might be Ventress, and so I wasn't surprised to see Ventress turn up. And when that Ventress-shaped helmet slid across the screen, I was feeling pretty good about this episode. But that's when we cut back to Master Plo and Anakin riding in in a pair of L-A-A-T slash LE gunships Robbie, also known as patrol transports, also known as police gunships, and these are basically a light version of the troop gunships to which we're accustomed. And LAAT, of course, being the acronym, I know you know this, I'm just saying it for anyone who's, maybe doesn't, but low altitude assault transport. I'm just laying it out there for, maybe we have one or two newer troops out there who don't know, I know you know this, Robbie. (laughs) So the heavier gunships that we see more commonly in the show are the I-model for infantry transport operations, and these LE models are for law enforcement operations. And these LE models, of course, are fitted with solar panels, which are a similar technology to what we see on the TIE fighters in later eras. How do you like these gunships, Robbie? Oh, I really, really like the design. I mean, they, they kind of remind me of almost like attack helicopters, but they're big enough to be a sort of a transport for, for soldiers or whatever, or in this case, police. But I really, one of the the cool, I guess the more interesting design elements, right? I mean, you've got the solar panels that remind you of TIE Fighters, which is kind of cool. But I really like that the cockpit canopy or whatever you want to call that, the, the, the window in the front, it reminds me of Kylo Ren's TIE Fighter right. turned 90 degrees, you know what I mean? Sure. So it's kind of one of those things where I feel like in every element of Star Wars, they're kind of borrowing little design elements from here and from there. So... As far as I know, this is the first time we've seen this style canopy or this style, I don't know what you call that, bu- uh, bubble. I guess it is a canopy, kind of. That's not a canopy, really, because it's just a window. Anyway, it's cool. That's all I'm trying to say. It's sure. really cool looking. <laughs> I would call it a canopy, Roby. I guess I always think of a canopy as coming down, so sure. I don't know. Yeah, these gunships and dropships always make me think that they are the... Star Wars version of, I guess, a Black Hawk helicopter, right? Yeah. Where they can carry troops, but they're also pretty heavily armed, and they can put down some fire if they need to. And speaking of putting down fire, Robbie, that is when we cut back to Ventress, who hunts down and then takes down Ahsoka. But it turns out that I was wrong. It wasn't Ventress who was responsible for the bombing, and that Ventress is only out for the price on Ahsoka's head. She's just doing her bounty other thing. But then, in one of the key turns of the episode, Ahsoka manages to talk Ventress into ganging up with the promise that Ahsoka will support a full Jedi Council pardon for Ventress. 
if Ventress helps Ahsoka to clear her name. And then just as I'm thinking that it's kind of a silly idea to be having their little chit chat out in the open in a very well lit area, you know, out on a landing platform like they are, basically <laughs> in that shaft where literally five million eyes could be on them at any one moment, that's when that pesky Anakin spots them from above. But Ahsoka and Ventress manage to give Anakin the slip and then they contact Ahsoka's good friend Barris, who passes her lead about this munitions warehouse onto Ahsoka. But before we go on, Robbie, how will you... I mean, I don't know if you remember the first time you saw this episode, but how do you like the way that Ventress takes down Ahsoka and then starts taking Ahsoka in, but Ahsoka talks her way around to a team-up? At this point is when... I guess it was the previous arc with Ventress, you know, when she kind of takes on that... Well, it's Bounty, right? Yeah. That's when I really started to like Ventress and started to think that there was more to her than just being a straight-up villain. So when this happened, I was very pleased. I was very excited. And see, now it's like, this is her character to me. So it's kind of weird because, you know, when I'm watching these again and I'm seeing her as the, you know, the villain in the episode, I'm kind of like, man, this is... This is just a phase, right? you know? She'll grow out of it. this is what she eventually gets to. So it's it's weird for me, uh, or had, it had been weird for me to see her as nothing but a villain. See, that's the thing. The weird thing for me is that when I saw her as just a villain, especially like the first time through, I didn't find her very interesting. I found her compelling. She's an interesting villain and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't really get to like her really like her until these kind of episodes where you're seeing that she's just not an evil person. She's had some things happen to her that have pushed her alongside a path, but it's the depth to her character that I really responded to. So yeah, I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? I love this stuff. To me, this is prime Ventress stuff right here. This was, I really, really like it. So yeah, I loved, I loved seeing the team up happen. Yeah, one of the great things about any Bounty Hunter character, I mean, we could even think of it as a character class maybe, and the same with Hondo as a pirate is that because they're only in it for themselves they can be either an enemy or, or a friend you know if you can talk them into believing that it's in their best interest to take your side they can take your side you know they're not driven by any ideology except for what's best for themselves and so it's fun when someone like Cad Bane or Ventress or Aura Singh is in the episode I mean we haven't seen Aura Singh for a while but you know <laughs> I gotta bring her up because I was a Nora Singh fan and still am. But back to this episode, of course, after Barris passes her lead about the munitions warehouse to Ahsoka, again, Ahsoka and Ventress decide to stand around out in the open, under a streetlight even, while they chit-chat about the warehouse lead. So of course they get spotted, which leads to a really sweet kung fu fight against a couple of squads of clone cops, and Commander Wolf is there too, in which Ventress even somehow manages, under Ahsoka's insistence, Ventress somehow manages to behave herself, slicing off the ends of numerous blasters, but not slicing a single clone trooper, Robbie. So I guess you're right, she maybe does have the ability to not be total villain when she puts her mind to it. So it is more than a little goofy that these two operatives who are as streetwise and as experienced and as tactically aware as a soaker and Ventress are what allow themselves to be so easy to spot, you know, over and over. But on the plus side, it led to another really fun Kung Fu scrap, Robbie. Yeah, and that's one of the things that annoyed me about the... I mean, she was careful to wear her bounty hunter mask when she goes to attack Ahsoka, but then when she's spotted, she just leaves it up and just stares right at Anakin, basically, and it's just kind of like, why would you do that? 
why would you want to give him any information? It seems like as soon as they knew that they were being spotted, she would hide herself and hi- and put that bounty hunter mask down to make sure that they didn't have any more information than necessary. But turns out it is necessary for the plot that moves forward, but hey. Anyway, yeah, the fight with the clones, even though I did enjoy it, it seemed a little forced, I guess. There's one moment where, and it's it could be one of those things where it's just because I, I knew what was going to happen, that I was able to kind of really pay attention to the details. But, like, there's one guy just kind of standing there, off to the side, and I'm like, why isn't he stunning her? Why aren't they being stunned right now? Like, why isn't this... I mean, of course we need to get from plot point beta to plot point whatever. I get it, but it still seemed a little a little awkward to me. Yeah. You see the shots of them like three or four of them standing about a meter from yeah. both Ventress and Ahsoka and they're pointing their guns before their guns get chopped off and they just aren't pulling the stun trigger. It's just a little bit contrived. I mean, it is a fun scrap though. It is a It is. It was fun to see, but there are elements to it that just are a little bit too contrived. But there is another fun scrap in this episode, Robbie. Or maybe even two, although the first one, when Ventress gets ambushed by a mystery assailant, that's not necessarily a scrap. She just gets taken down. Yeah. And then the mystery assailant assumes Ventress's identity and heads off to that munitions warehouse. And then she attacks and throws Ahsoka even deeper into her predicament. She gets found at the end of it by Wolf and the cops among the nanodroid bombs, the very technology used to perpetrate the bombing. And so things aren't looking good for Ahsoka, but before that, like I said, we get another really fun scrap in that munitions warehouse. It includes fighting up and down multiple levels, includes the assailant kicking out and unleashing a barrage of barrels at our favorite young Padawan. There's a lot of force throwing stuff. I always love when things get force thrown at our heroes. I don't know why, you know, ever since Empire, that's been one of my favorite things in a force user on force user fight. And... The scrap even involves Ventress's patented cut steam pipe open trick, just like she used on Master Luminara. All those episodes of Glow and Cloak of Darkness, which I thought was a really clever touch, because even though we know it's not Ventress, Ahsoka was in that fight with Master Luminara and Cloak of Darkness when Ventress cut open that steam pipe and steamed up Master Luminara's eyes. So whoever is pretending to be Ventress is using Ventress tactics here, which I thought was super clever. And so whoever it is, knows this stuff and i guess what i want to ask you robbie is where does this warehouse fight sit on the four star robbie scale of fight ratings i mean i have to give it like a three and a half i mean it's up there it's really really well done and the drama behind it is really a lot of fun and look i don't like seeing ahsoka lose but it was still fun it's still a really really fun fight and man she gets thrown around and she's just being outclassed almost every step of the way but it's again even though i don't like it i don't like her to see her lose it is fun to see it sure is robbie and i gotta say i will tell you off the air who i think this assailant is because as i mentioned earlier with being able to recognize Ventress before her face is actually revealed. The show is great at creating character models that are recognizable even when the face is obscured, even when the voice is obscured. But it was during this fight that a new person became my number one suspect. I'll cut this next bit out, but I just want to say, and I don't want you to react to it. I just want it to be on record. I think it's... Let's talk about any other notes that you have on the episode, any other stuff that you thought was cool and worth talking about. 
these are, yeah, I guess some of these kind of fall into, you know, fun looking shots and stuff like that. But I love the way that the subways look appropriately dingy. Yeah. They almost remind me of, you know, n- New York style movies, you know. Sure. I, I really, really like, like that. Like 70s New York or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 70s or early 80s New York. Yeah. In particular. I think they're cleaner and, I mean... I know we have troops out there in New York. If any of you troops want to comment on how closely these subways match current New York subways, that'd be sweet to hear. But yeah, watching New York movies from the 70s and 80s, this subway in this episode, that's how I think of them looking, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny too, the constant mentioning of what level they're on, you know, level 13, 12, and 13, 15. Yeah. And it's kind of like, is that literally like there's 1,315 levels? To Coruscant? Because that's ridiculous. Yeah. And of course, the ill-fated game 1313 that was canceled was supposed to take place on level 1313. Okay. It was a game that was very, very... I mean, a lot of people were looking forward to it because it seemed like it seemed like it was going to be a kind of a continuation of a lot of the Force-type games, but in a... I don't know. I, nobody knows what it was going to be, but it 1313 was one of those that... I guess a, a casualty of the Disney takeover, you know, was that 1313 was canceled. So it's one of those things that people still wonder about and still, you know, what, what was 1313 going to be? And then how can I go any further without mentioning the Tukas, the Star <laughs> Wars cat? You know, yeah. this is uh, something, a, a, a very, very famous design that Dave Filoni brought up in this episode. And that continues to show up in pretty much anything he has to do with. And he said, why wouldn't Star Wars have cats? Sure. So, yeah, it's... Uh, well, they have the dogs, right? The Anubis? Yeah. Like we saw in the Citadel arc, I think might have been the first time we saw them. And, of course, Embo has a pet Anuba. Yeah. So that's like the dog of the Star Wars world. And now we have a cat, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we have the little birds as well from... I remember when <laughs> right. we had the Padawans, right? Yeah. It's, it's just like a fun little detail that I brought up. Well, speaking of fun details, Robbie, what was your standout shot of To Catch a Jedi? Well, as we've talked about, there are many kind of jaw-dropping places in this episode that we get to see. But my favorite shot was the shot of the, I guess, Ventress imposter attacking Ahsoka and then lifting the rubble off of her with the fire in the background. Right. I just thought, man, what a cool, cool shot. That's my favorite shot. Yeah, there are a ton to choose from. For me, it could even be the final shot of the episode following those LAAT slash alley gunships low across the pipe system toward the sunrise at Magic Hour with the skyline of Coruscant looming in the distance. But I chose also a shot of someone wearing that Ventress get up, except this one was actually Ventress. She's (laughs) crouched low over Ahsoka with those twin red blades crossed over Ahsoka's neck and they're cutting into the road surface. There's just so much menace expressed by the shot Ventress crouched over the helpless Ahsoka like a predator over its prey almost and seeing those blades cutting into the road itself somehow makes them feel even more lethal than they normally are so that is the shot that stood above a whole ton of other shots like I said I took screen cap after screen cap just of the environment down there so just an awesome looking episode were there another, any other particular shots you wanted to highlight Robbie or is it just that the whole episode is basically a standout shot of the episode yeah I mean well we talked about most of them but then the last shot that was another one that I'd noted because it was such a jaw-droppingly beautiful looking shot of the of those police cruisers heading toward the I guess sunrise at that point right yeah it was so good yeah it's awesome it's awesome 
Well, before we bring this one for a landing, Robbie, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So, after your most recent watch of The Catch a Jedi, how did you like it? Where does The Catch a Jedi sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Yeah, for this one, I kind of feel like I need to give it a 3.5 out of 4, simply because I gave the previous episode a 3.75. And it's sort of like, I wonder if if in some alternate reality this was its own episode, I wonder if I would give it a 3.75. But because I think the previous episode was, I guess, more important to me, maybe, that I just feel like this one needs to be a 3.5. Yeah, I've got it at 8 lower level cops wearing freaky goggles out of 10 there's a lot of fun stuff in the episode i guess what i'm dinging it for is those moments where ahsoka and ventress who know a lot better than to stand around in the open (laughs) or standing around in the open you know it happens twice where they are just acting far dumber than we know they are and you know in both occasions it is a kind of forced moment a contrived moment so that they'll get seen and so that more drama will happen and the episode starts with ahsoka lurking in the shadows you know as those cops go past so you know we know that she knows what she's doing so these other two scenes i don't know but i don't want to focus on those i think pretty much everything else about the episode is a lot of fun it's super atmospheric these lower levels are just magical you know in their own grimy gritty way but that is mission accomplished for season five episode 19 to catch a jedi so robbie won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels of course we are bucho and robbie at gmail twitter and instagram that's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 108th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, the finale of Season 5. Season 5, Episode 20, The Wrong Jedi. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Pucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Pucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.